Shafey, Shafey, I'm barely holding on here. Yeah, the like, peak uh, of my young life, I was not ill. I was not out of shape. I, I didn't have a bad day. Like, all these things that they're like, well, if you are major smokers or you, you know, take a lot of cocaine, like, there's a, there are things that can dr bring it on <laughs> as a young person. And... I, I was just not in that risk category. It was probably. I'm starting yeah. to wonder why we don't all have a fish. <laughs> <laughs> surrounding Austin, Texas, and indeed it shines down on Matthew's back porch where here we sit for episode, I have no idea what number it is, episode 159 of One Magical Hour, a Matthew and Schaefer podcast spectacular. In fact, the first one of the new year. We're very excited to have you. It's a Friday night, high energy episode, the ones you, you know and love. We will have lots of Matthew. Have you ever wondered? I think this will be a, I think this will be a yield workshop heavy episode. We'll see. Uh, but uh, you never know what the hour might bring. But you know one thing: it's going to be magical. Uh, and you know that it'll probably have a song parody once you've introduced the Pride of Tarzana, California, the Martinique Mystiqueer, and the Mozambique Magnifiqueer, Matthew Rampy. I am a man who will fight for this podcast. I'll be the podcaster you've been dreaming of. We'll live forever, recording together. And we did it all for the glory of this podcast. Like a night in shining podcast from a long time ago. <laughs> Peter Cetera. Peter Is that right? Peter Cetera was mentioned at the construction site. Now I can't get him out of my head. <laughs> I love Chicago. I love Peter Cetera. I love Karate Kid too. Like a night in shining. I, did, I was re my voice was really not warmed up there. Oh, that was from for the that parody. That was from the Karate that's, Kid that's Two. That's from the Karate Kid Two soundtrack. I remember that. Glory that, that song was huge. It was massive. Um, I really, I'm bringing a a Tuesday level of energy to a Friday night podcast. Tuesday on a Friday night. That's all right. A knife out to a gunfight. That's all right. I got I got energy to spare. I'm bouncing off the good, walls. Good. Here. Good. I've uh, we were talking before we started recording. I'm I'm at the long end of a couple of weeks of holiday madness, including uh, uh, you know, a Christmas at home, and then a Matthew's trip to is maxima trip trip to Jackson, Mississippi for a, my brother-in-law's wedding, which included 
tragedy after tragedy. Both my, both my wife's dad and my dad are both in sad shape in hospital. My, my sister-in-law's stepdad passed away at their home in Memphis, Tennessee on, on May. This, this podcast has become a lot about mortality. Uh, there was a, there's water problems in Jackson. There's the, there's the drive. There's just remembering everything you got to bring for like being a whole week somewhere else. Plus the. Plus the dress up and the just the chaos of the wedding. Holy Obviously, shit. heart goes out to you know families with illness. Definitely, you know people dealing with you know tragedy. But the hotel losing water where the wedding was supposed to you know all the, the wedding guests wedding were booked at the that Homewood Suites in Fondren. Fondren like, is a neighborhood. Are already chaotic, and you know. Runner, I can't imagine the bride must have just been oh, like her stress level like, must have been off the charts. It wasn't ideal, but anyway, it all came off nicely, and and we got home, and but you know, just life is just cascading over my face. Here we like are, yeah, rushing I asked the river. Can imagine me laying in the riverbed and the cold, clear mountain waters of Bush Beer just rolling over my face. I mean, not, not that I'm a bush beard. If you just if you can lay down and just let the water roll over you, then you're, uh, in, a, you're uh, in a good place. Uh, it's kind of like <laughs> flapping my upper lip, you know. Like <sighs> every once in a while, my my cheeks just balloon out because the water like <laughs> rushes into my mouth. I have and to remember to like keep uh, my uh, mouth uh, closed. Uh, I have to re- uh, listen. I have to remember to keep my mouth closed. So it's good that uh, that that is the sound. Thank you, Schaefer. Did it with his face. Schaefer made that sound with his face. That was great. And then tomorrow I got to coach my first my first flag football game. Whoa! Coaching tomorrow. First time coaching football. First time coaching in this I nine league. They got a good format. It's there's a practice and then the game. It's all one session. They don't do they don't do midweek practices and then the game. It's a, it's on Saturdays. You practice with your team and then you play a game. So, so I'll be talking. I'll be telling you all about that in the next episode of One Magical I think Hour. They should change the NFL to some sort of flag format at this point. Yeah, with right? just people freaking dying on the field. Like something needs to be done about the NFL. Well. Although I was thinking then, like, there's, like, F1 races, you know, like, there are people you just say, you know, it's or, you know, boxing, whatever, UFC. I mean, here's my thought about it. We live in the death cult of America. Oh, there's the train. Commuter rail! We get on these highways. So loud every, to us, but they can't hear it. I know. I know. And we are quiet for a minute. You can hear it a little <laughs> bit on the record. Uh, you get on these highways every day, and... You're really taking your life into your own hands, and there's so much just there's so much just regular violence that like, you know, professional TV violence is just not the same. And of of course we, everybody's paying attention to it. But um, I did you read that New York Times article about that this week? Just violence in the NFL. They were talking to Ed Hachuli or Hockley. Ed Hockley. Hockley, right? yeah, yeah. And he was saying in all his years working in the league, every game 
he saw hit after hit where he just thought that person's not going to get up. Yeah. So, uh, but like I've, like I, I think I've said before, sports seems to keep us a little bit off the battlefield. Right. There, sure. There's a little, there's a little less actual knife fighting. And, you know, maybe like because the, the takeaway because from that is like, yeah, you know, they, this happens tens of thousands of times without somebody dying, you know. Now the depression down the road—that's uh, the, the CTE, CTE and CTE stuff. That's another, serious, yeah. You know, it's. I've been thinking lately about how rudimentary we really are, and our progress as a society and technologically and culturally has sped up so much in the last 100, 150 or 200, you know, you think about industrial revolution. You think about how man's existence has changed so substantially since the industrial revolution, you know, and how it's separating us from nature and everything. And we're just, we're, we're not equipped to deal with all that we're dealing with in the modern world. I don't know how that related to anything we were talking about before. <laughs> There's, but um, I, I don't know. We we just uh, there's all kinds of situations where you see people act in ways that are that are less than civilized, and you know we're just not too far removed from the animals that we are. <laughs> this podcast is a good example of that. The. Uh... The, sing- the coming singularity will. You think that'll straighten it out? Yes. Huh. Because we will be partially, we will be half, half biological and half technological. So I, I, I've heard this concept that I, I may have heard it like on Joe Rogan's podcast, but don't, don't, don't uh, discount the thought just because <laughs> I, I can't remember what guest was talking about. Like we maybe just like a, biological boot up for whatever comes after us, right? Yeah. We're the bios boot up. Yeah. I think that that's, you know, and then, then it feels, uh, you know, purposeful. Suddenly the podcast is elevated to a place of, of thoughtfulness. And, and we will still be there. We have, you know, 200 hours of recording of our intimate thoughts and uh, and humor, our tragedies, everything. You and I, it'll be very easy to recreate us. Do you think that post singularity? Do you think the robot overlords will will try to make facsimiles? Oh yeah, they're go- in this podcast. <laughs> the one magical hour will last in, into infinity because they can. The AI can recreate our each each and every one a brand new podcast based on. Our 200 hours of recording. That's the simulacrum. How much fun? I think it's like a how much fun is that going to be for everyone? I mean... And how great does that make when, you feel? When you say everyone, you mean like <laughs> like me and you and Adam and Manish? No, I think, really, it's going to take a, an AI, an advanced AI supercomputer to really get us, to really understand, the, to delve the depths... Of our our humor and our emotion, every you know our subtlety, every little thing about us, 
really requires a, an AI supercomputer and and a beat maker. <laughs> Matthew, what's, what's the difference? <laughs> do you know what the only word with a silent T is in the English language? Um, is it Ed Hockley? Ed Hockley. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hockley. Hockley. Okay. And he has his son. Yeah, his son's in the league. Is that, he looks just like him. It's pretty amazing. He's jacked like his dad. Yeah. Good-looking family, the Hockleys. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. I think so. I mean, I have a lot of respect for them. I hadn't ever they're, they're doing uh, it for observed me. Yeah. them in that light. But, yeah. you know, beauty a, is in the eye of the beer holder. They put a glint in my eye, indeed. No, I, I don't. Sh right offhand, Chafee, I don't know the... Only, wor thinking, only word in the English language. What about "sar"? Is that? I guess that's a Russian word, not an English word. Well, that doesn't have a T in it. T S A R. Oh, I thought it was C Z A R. I guess that's. I mean, I that's, think. I mean, either, either a, of those are an English approximation of, of a the, Cyrillic word. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't matter. Okay. Uh, According to Ken Jennings of the Omnibus Project and the Jeopardy Goat Greatest of All Time. Reasonably sound resource, yes. The only word in the English language with the silent T is asthma. Oh. I had that as a child. I can't believe I couldn't conjure that now. Oh, it's asthma. hard when you put it on the spot. But even if you pronounce it asthma. It, yeah, well, I, that's the joke. Like. Because Ken Jennings and John Roderick on the Yomnups Project, they like they make a game out of mispronouncing things. Like John Roderick always refers to the Soviet Union as, as the Soviet Union. <laughs> um, they like they specifically go out of their way. I think you know it's like one of those things where you know you you become so smart that it becomes a joke to like deliberately. But also, it's just kind of one of those things where it's it's the the English language is wayward our pronunciations of it are wayward and you can either beat yourself up about it for saying things wrong or you can just embrace it. Um, well, does this yield workshop relate to the previous where we discussed often? Congratulations on remembering something because <laughs> I did not remember that at all. Often. Yeah. Often. Yeah. See, I think so if you, so what you're saying is that if you don't mispronounce often that asthma is the only word right. in the English language yeah. where the T is silent. But didn't we find out that often is I, okay I to think say? That, but I think that's a mispronunciation but it's just that has accepted. become accepted. Right. Like all, like all the other... He doesn't say it. Yeah. Actually, the first, according to the dictionary, the first pronunciation, which is the more used one, is without the T, so... Maybe uh maybe old Ken Jennings was talking out of the side of his mouth. You feel like there's a scathing there. email to be written. <laughs> I would never <laughs> presume to uh, email. Like we might as well go ahead and uh, just enjoy this because this will be the uh, podcast of me telling you about another podcast. Do you know why the symbol for the letter for the word and? What do you call that? 
a, the symbol for the word, the ampersand? Ampersand. You know why that's called that? No. In Latin, there is, well, the, first of all, the ampersand is a combination of the letters E and T. Um, which it's, you know, it's a little bit of a swoopy T, but you can kind of okay. see it. Uh -huh. And they had it in the Latin language. In Latin, they had E-T was a letter. It was a separate letter, the combination of E and T. And it both meant and, and was a letter. And if you think about like romance languages, you know, in French, you know, E and is E-T, it is and. Oh, okay. Uh, so it all, it all makes sense. But... It came from if they were, if you were say a student of the language, and you were talking about, you were talking in Latin about the letter, and you wanted to distinguish the letter from the word, you would say and per se, and to, oh. uh, and per se is whatever the the whole of it or something. I'm not, I forget how per se. Uh, translates exactly but it's it's the it's the body of it or the whole of it or something uh and so you so if you're talking if you wanted to say i'm talking about the letter and not the word and you would say and per se and okay and then later that got all mashed up into ampersand huh <laughs> that is interesting i was r really excited by that weird this is trivia. one of those times where um i'm learning on the podcast <laughs> this is the best times yeah huh I get excited about words, obviously. I love words too, man. I mean, what? How else would we frame reality? We didn't have them, you know what I mean. I've often thought about that. It, but then there's all those other times where they they totally fail you. In that, what you just said, how else would we frame reality? To me, that means every sentence that human beings create are works of art. You are interpreting reality and putting it into words, which is what a poet does. Well, and, yeah. every time we every time we make a sentence, and then you know, you know, in the Bible, they're like, uh, "the God, the Word is God. Mm -hmm. God is the Word." And yeah. what, what is God if not a creative force? It's like the power of creation in your face, and that words. like that goes. You know, my entire theology. You know. The the religion of Schaefer is based on the fact that every idea is reality. Is this the episode where we reveal that we are gods? Because <laughs> people have been like, why are you guys making that podcast? And then we're like, because we're gods. Well, yes and no, Matthew. God is everything. Every single thing. God is just a word for every bit of matter in the universe. It's all one yeah, thing. We're all one yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah, I wasn't talking about that. I was talking about little gods <laughs> yeah. with a small g. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. We, can, we can get into Deities, that if you like. Deities, not, 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 yes. the, not the, the force. And I think, not you the know, one. pushing uh, 160 hours of our jibber-jabber out into reality is a sort of... It's a it's a god with a small G like thing to do. Definitely. I would call it 160 plus. <laughs> but you were being modest. I see what you were doing there. Every, yeah. I think that sometime in the future we'll realize that even I you know it used to be we didn't realize that light 
was actually matter, and now you realize that they're actually little light particles that make light. I think eventually we're going to realize that there are very tiny particles that make an idea, mm. and that ideas actually exist. And then, in that regard, that whole you know, like visualized world peace thing, mm -hmm. or you know, if enough people believe in a god that God exists, I think that both of those things are true, and both of those things are very reasonable. Yeah. And I think that consciousness is just. Um, all of us sort of tapping into the same resource, right? Yeah. It's not an individual thing, your consciousness, right? And if you think of, that's why it's important not to, not to boost signals, not to, you know, even. You're always, wor you're always worried about boosting signals. I am. Yeah. And I feel like even when people say, oh, I'm just joking about that. Like you are increasing the reality of that by putting more of it into the world, into this world of ideas. So okay. that's a reason not not to say that you shouldn't make jokes. I think you should, but you should just be more conscious of what you're doing when you make those jokes, you know, and really think through everything Whew. quickly. <laughs> uh, eight avocados. For the movie White Noise. You're doing a review? The Dom DeLillo book that they made into a movie? Yes. Incredible. I was thinking I, I about saw, it. I saw that book. I have that book. It's a kicking about my garage. I've actually never read that particular Dom DeLillo book. I'm a Dom DeLillo fan. His book, The End Zone, or it's just called End Zone, not The End Zone. End Zone is amazing. That's a meditation on nuclear apocalypse through a West Texas college football program. Oh, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, that's right up my alley. Very, very that's funny. That's a lot of stuff I'm interested super in. Super funny, super weird, super heavy book. Okay. Um, and that's kind of true of all of his. Uh, Running Dog was a very weird, very funny book about espionage in the Vietnam War. Um, and White Noise, which I had never read, is so interesting to me because all of this stuff is coming up about violence that like you brought up you know violence doesn't a train crash and there's like a chemical spill yeah okay. that's uh, the, I, I, I mean i read it like 25 years the ago the very yeah. essence of the you know plot but really it's just it's a hilarious and mind-blowing meditation on contemporary American culture and violence and contemporary Western culture mm. and violence and uh, kind of the cult of personality being also like kind of a violent thing perpetrated on the world. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and it's brilliant. Like Noah Baumbach obviously is an amazing director. Um, is that a Netflix movie? Yeah. Okay. And starring Greta Gerwig and Adam Driver, and they're both, like, like, they play, like, suburban 80s, like, schlub parents. Mm. It's so funny. They're so, like, they're so suburban and so, you know, weird looking. You don't you hardly even recognize the two of them. Okay. They're so outside of their normal, uh, their normal performances, and the 
Noah, Noah Baumbach chose to really like play up the eighties nostalgia in a, in a, as a way of, you know, making it, you know, the whole thing seem more abstract and weird. Like, uh, like he plays up the eighties nostalgia so much that it becomes its own style, like its own production value. Um, like the girl with the, she has the, the sun visor with the green plastic, the green oh, see-through yeah. plastic. Sure. Uh, like that. Those like, were everywhere. Oh, it had such a visceral, you know, it had, it had such a tactile effect on me. Um, the two kids are, there's just a quick shot and two of the, two of their children are playing mousetrap, which did you ever actually play that game? No. You just took it out of the box, tried to set it up, tried to get the you set up the, the Rube Goldberg device to work. Yeah. You never could quite get it to work. I don't think I ever. And then, how, uh, did, how did the game work? Do you even know? Um, I mean, I think, Not really. I think that, like... Were there dice? Like, I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. How do we all... We all had mousetrap. I feel like trap. the payoff in the game was that you got to tip off the... Yeah. The I mean, as you played through the game, you would slowly construct the machine. I want to play this game. If anybody now. doesn't know what mousetrap is, just Google it. We, 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 can't, <laughs> we can't describe it here. Everybody, everybody must, you know. Sorry. If you were born. Everybody of a certain age probably indeed knows like, what the game mousetrap is. I guess if you get much younger than my brother. I think they made it for a while. I think yeah. they made a crappier version later. Wow. Which is the story of America. Anyway, amazing movie. Uh, Adam okay. Driver, like, I want to just, like, I think everybody, Don Cheadle deserves Best Supporting Actor, Greta Gerwig, Best Actor, Adam Driver, Best Actress, Adam Driver, Best Actor, Noah Baumbach, Best Director, you know, give it, give Academy Awards to all of them because it is okay. it is a profound, singular, strange, hilarious movie. I I keep thinking that Netflix is going to make a, a really great movie one of these days. They, they have made some in the last couple of years that have gotten some nods, right? Mm-hmm. They definitely have, like, yeah. Uh, Don't Look Up got some, yeah. some nods. The, uh, yeah, we talked about that quite a bit here. Yeah. Um, that uh, Jimmy Hoffa movie. The Martin Scorsese. Oh yeah, the yeah. Irishman. Uh huh. Right. Which I never watched. It looked kind of boring to me. I I chipped away at it for yeah. like seven. I remember. Sessions. Yeah, you were trying to watch it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Snooze. Uh, okay, but the other thing I was thinking of that White Noise made me excited about was the return of in uh, intelligence. The intelligence. The return of being intellectual. And being smartly funny and that, that being cool. I was, when I grew up, you know, when, I, when we were in high school, I felt like, you know, being smart and being well-educated and having a lot of knowledge and apply, and being willing to learn and apply that learning to what you were, you know, doing, that was a cool thing to do. And then I think like, that somehow, you were raised by college professors in Lubbock, some... Texas, which had a pretty amazing public school system when we went to it with uh, with the funneling of all the smart kids together, you know, 
but there were like all these publish housing publishing contemporary novels and like you know like Red East and Ellis and stuff would like if I if mean he published a book there would be a huge party in New York that a bunch of celebrities came to I mean I agree we've definitely moved from a time where intelligent people were celebrated I, I think it goes back and forth in history right? yeah I'm sure it does absolutely uh, you know because when you think about the Bolsheviks for instance they definitely wanted to get rid of the intelligentsia right it was like 10 percent of Russia and then it was kind of like they tried to wipe it out. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know enough about Russian history to really say it, but yeah, it's funny because like the, the intelligentsia would would have driven the ideas that brought about the revolution at the beginning, and then they immediately became dangerous to <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Uh, to the author, authoritarian regime. That well, maybe that's how it goes afterwards. back and forth. Yeah, you know? sure. It's like the intelligentsia foments some kind of change, <laughs> and then it's taken over by. Uh, brutish thuggery and, and and the will of the mob and I not, really not, the, feel not the Italian mob, just a group of people. You know? I know if you talk to our parents and our grandparents, it seems like, you know, all of this, you know, everything that we're going through has happened before, you know, and it's just cyclical and all that stuff. But I also think that I think American culture is coming to a head. I think there and when like I look at this like fucking circus with uh mccarthy's nomination <laughs> like they've they've had 13 fucking votes and these guys can't even get you know can't even get that done you know uh, well they're just doing the same thing over and over right? obviously donald trump was not the answer but the the emotions that got trump into office those are real things you know those are those were people being sick of the establishment and when I see stuff like this McCarthy nomination going on, I like I don't play. Granted, put, like trying to solve a problem by putting Donald Trump in office is the dumbest thing you could possibly do. But uh, the idea of just getting out anybody who was cronying up, you know, to anybody else and having this having this weak, uh, inept bureaucracy. Trying to get anything done, uh, you know, it's becoming more and more of a laugh, you know. Like even when like the Democrats, you know, we should have when the Democrats took took Washington, man, they should have they should have brought Puerto Rico into the union. They should have, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, gotten rid of the the. Uh, filibuster so they could just you know get all of their stuff passed they should have they should have done it and they didn't do it because they owe too much they owe too many favors to too many people to rich people who don't want things to change and that's that's what's going to eventually lead to some sort of some sort of upheaval that's not going to be i don't think it's going to be really good for anybody who is in the middle class in america um, but that's the way we're going if they if we keep like if we can't even if we can't even elect a damn speaker of the house after 13 votes and i'm sorry guys uh i shouldn't have uh, i shouldn't have uh, gone that direction but i forgot what we were talking about uh, we were talking about took us to, you took us to white another, white another noise dark, and, dark and violence and oh you're talking about the cycle of intelligentsia you know coming and going 
Um, and unfortunately, what you're saying is right now it's going. Like I would, I would compare the Bolshevik, the Bolsheviks, to the Yamaga people, right? Like you know, they want to get they they don't have time for the the intellectual uh, subclass, and uh, you know want to want to stick it to. And, and it's of course it's only the middle class that gets it stuck. To. I don't know. The if rich people are going to be fine no matter what. I don't think comparing the Bolsheviks to the MAGA people is really the. Um, I don't think that's a great comparison. <laughs> hey, it might be problematic. I might agree with you. You know, and if you like, if you want to, if you want to set me straight, get at us, folks. That's well, fine. I I'm not saying that. I have a lot more respect for the Bolsheviks. Let's just say that. <laughs> Well, what about all the shitty I mean, things? Like, I mean, what about all I of mean, the that was the, the, all okay, of the writers so that, that they killed and all of the yeah, but they were know. also dismantling a an economic system that uh, that favored uh, these families that right. owned everything for generation like I said, after generation. Like I said, the, for those manga people, electing Donald Trump was the stupidest thing they could possibly do. You know. But I think that I think that the that's motives for, that's were similar. For a that's for a different podcast. That we're not <laughs> yeah, that kind of podcast. I'm sorry that I made us that kind of podcast, folks. Okay. I promise I will never do it again until the next podcast when I do it again. This was just the opening. The, the <laughs> half this half hour was just the opening of the cast. <laughs> Let's get to the meat of the show. Let's get to some things that are on the show sheet here. Um this is something you put on the show sheet. Yeah. This is the 30 best Chris Christopherson, according to Songwriter, the Songwriter website. It's like a blog or an online magazine. I, uh, I, I just, I just uh, glanced at this briefly. I thought some of them were definitely great quotes. Um, others were really not that impressive, but I thought we could take a look at it. Yeah, I love uh, Chris Christopherson, the eighty-six-year-old Texas-born Chris Christopherson. Yeah, born in Brownsville because his dad was in the Air Force. I think those days military folks. He wasn't in Texas for very long. But do you know who the only member of the Highwaymen who wasn't born in Texas is? If I could think of all the members of the Highwaymen, I might. Highwaymen are Chris Christopherson, Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, and Johnny Cash. Well, that'd be Johnny Cash, right? Yeah. He's born in Arkansas. Oh, yeah. He, he's not a Texas guy. I can't remember which town. I think it had maybe the word gold in it. Um, doesn't matter. Having Dylan cover one of your songs is like being a playwright and having Shakespeare act in your play. Yeah, I think that's that's a that happened. Yeah, Dylan covered a Chris Christopherson song. I'm not sure which one. I can imagine him doing a me and Bobby McGee during one of his shows. Dylan's played every song at some point. Me and Bobby McGee is a Chris Christopherson song. Yeah. Okay. So the I this article is making mention that you know he. He wrote a lot of songs and made a lot of people's careers. Yeah, right? yeah. He definitely I did. guess I don't know about that uh, that part of him. Yeah, he sure does. Uh -huh. He also starred in the Blade trilogy. 
That's the part. <laughs> that's the Chris Christopherson I know. Oh, come on. <laughs> Maybe you need to educate me a little bit about. Oh, Chris he's an amazing character. Uh, he was a Rhodes Scholar. Okay. He flew helicopters in Vietnam. Is that right? Yeah. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. All that stuff. Uh, what else? Yeah, super intelligent, super... Uh, uh, yeah, it wasn't until, like, after... After, the, you know, his military career flying helicopters, after his, uh, you know, roles... I don't know, but he was studied in his Rhodes Scholarship. I'm guessing it's probably some kind of literature. Uh, but, uh... Then gets into songwriting... Um, and obviously does that very well. There's a good uh, country legend. I don't know if it's true or not, and I don't know if I care really, that he, after he recorded his demo, you know, four songs or whatever, uh, in the Nashville studio, he rented a he rented a helicopter and landed it on Johnny Cash's lawn and stepped out and handed the demo to Johnny Cash and then flew away. And of course, the songs were good enough that Johnny Cash, you know, then, you know, recorded some of them or, you know, hooked them up, you know. Wait, is that urban legend? I think it might be urban legend. Yeah, I'm really not sure. I've never, I've never done a deep dive to find out if it's true or not, but I, I did hear that. You know, most urban legends are the kind of signals that I'm okay amplifying. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry, go on. Looking back, I'm surprised I had the nerve to do it, but I'm glad I did. Performing the songs and performing in film were just a part of my personality, just like football and boxing at one point in my life. I was able to lose myself in both of them, and that was a good feeling. Huh. So apparently he was also a football player and a boxer. Okay. I'm hoping my life is a little like this. It's <laughs> a pretty, you know? pretty incredible life, isn't it? Uh-huh. What really makes me happy now is my home. I know that I have that to lose. But I don't see losing it, and I don't care if I never do another movie, and I don't care if I never get back on the road. I like to think that I'm going to do that, but if I don't, I can live with that. Chris Christopherson. you got to say, quote. Yeah, you know. good okay. philosophy. Yeah, yeah uh-huh. I'm reading uh-huh. quotes now. Okay, Schaefer's reading some Chris Christopherson. Every quotes. album I've made is about what I'm experiencing at the time. I think that's probably true of most mm-hmm. albums, right? Uh, I have a special place in my heart for Nashville because it saved my life back in the day. Well, now, what does that mean? Do you know uh, anything about that? I bet there's a bunch of stories in there. I know. He was kind of like, do you know the story about Willie Nelson? Um, at one point, he went out to Nashville to try to make it as a songwriter. Yeah. He sold, I think he sold the rights to the song Crazy for like $23 or something. Uh it was something ridiculously sun. And at one point, he laid down in the snow in the street, hoping that he would die. Willie Nelson. Yeah. Yeah. And he and then he was rejected by Nashville, just in general, I, right? Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Um, I mean, as then, the story goes. That's that's how, I think that, and he came I think back that here. the story's more complicated than that. But yeah, he came back. I think by the time he headed back here, he had had some success as a songwriter. But um, he was definitely kind of turning things around. But then it was, you know, he came back here and things really took off. I think my understanding is like his first big source of income was was shilling Lone Star beer. I could be wrong about that too. That might be another one of those urban legends. But 
by not, Chris Christopherson says, by not having to live up to people's expectations, I was somehow free. It's a good thing to remember. Hmm. You know, yeah. that that can that you can, does sound like freedom. You can shackle yourself with the uh, for sure with other people's expectations. I'm trying to live up to your expectations right oh, now come on this on. podcast. Right after I resigned from the army in 1965, I flew helicopters for oil platforms in the Gulf of Mexico. I flew personnel from rig to rig, and I live on platform out of seats there's a little more that's funny that's a very interesting quote i don't know a life is that one of his 30 best quotes i don't know <laughs> it's it's definitely interesting it tells you a little more about him i never really felt comfortable co-writing i usually go at my own speed you know ah, i hope that doesn't apply to this podcast <laughs> being in love with a lot of people is incompatible with a stable family <laughs> you think that's something that a country singer might learn out on the road. <laughs> yeah, right. I always had to wait until something hit me and I could write it. But when I would cut an album, to me, it represented the time that I spent since the last one, just the way I was looking at the world. I grew up listening to Hank Williams and Johnny Cash, so arriving in Nashville in the 60s was really exciting for me. Right. I've had a life of all kinds of experience, most of them good. And I've got eight kids and a wife, and that that puts up with everything I do and keeps me out of trouble. Oh, that's nice. Eight kids. Eight kids is a lot of kids. That's a lot of kids. I think I'm a much better father as an older man than I was with my first kids. I think that that's true of fathers everywhere, isn't it? Occasionally, I have to yell at the little guys, but they don't take me seriously. Listen to the old guy, they say. Isn't he great? He's mad. Okay, now that's a little sad. <laughs> <laughs> Because I see, actually, uh, I've seen that in my own life <laughs> with my dad and my half brother. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My, uh, um, I was the young, I was the first kid. I was, you know, my, I, I was very young. It was my dad's first kid. Yeah. Same for me. My, my parents got five kids. My parents were pretty much kids when they had me. Yeah. You know, they were in their early 20s. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. So, yeah, it, when all of us were grown up, we all got a lot better. I don't think I'm that good a singer. I can't think of a song that I've written that I don't like the way somebody else sings it better. Interesting. That's how I feel. There's definitely uh, some Chris Christopherson. Like, I would say his song... Okay, wait. Now, we're not going to read all 30 of these, are they? Well, I'm... Maybe, maybe we do. The <laughs> one... Oh, this it's hitting too close to home. Yeah. To do the things I did, I'm amazed I had the audacity resigning from the army and becoming a janitor and a songwriter. So after the army, he worked as a janitor. Uh... It comes natural as... Let's see... A lot of stuff about his kids, huh? A lot of stuff about his kids. I've never learned. Now, number 20 is interesting. The older I get, the less conservative I become. That's, I, you know, get to a, I'm pretty sure that we never really would have thought of him as conservative. I know, right. <laughs> but it also, isn't that, I mean... Isn't that counter to the usually the way it goes? Usually, I think it depends. People can conceive of like you get older, you get more conservative. 
My parent, my parents and grandparents, it's it's different. Uh, I know, like with my my dad's mother and father, they definitely became more open minded as they got older, and I'd say my parents are the same way. I think, yeah, you like you realize that some of the things that you thought were black and white aren't so black and white anymore. Fair enough. I uh, feel like I'm lazy, but I keep the yard looking yeah, good. Yeah, <laughs> these really devolve. Okay, well, you've, again, uh, educated me here on my own podcast. Have a good time, ignore the camera, what was the extent of his acting training. <laughs> Okay, Chris Christopherson. <laughs> it's interesting that you brought up Chris Christopherson quotes because um, we stopped at the Twisted Root Burger Company in Waco, Texas, uh-huh. and in their bathrooms they have written on the walls the Chuck Norris meme type things. Oh, and yeah. my daughter came out of the bathroom. Talking about, she's like, Dad, who's Chuck Norris? <laughs> because in the bathroom, it says that he put the laughter in manslaughter. Um, <laughs> what other Chuck Norris memes well, do you remember? You know, I know. Then I was, I, I went to the internet and I was like, Chuck Norris memes. There was, there's this website, Chuck Norris Facts, yeah. that popped up in 2005. I remember those, um, some of them being very funny. Yeah. But I can't remember any examples off the top of my head. Well, I tried to go to the website, and uh, here, I'll, let me show you. It says, we're doing some maintenance. We'll be back in a bit. I wonder if that's a Chuck Norris quote. That looks like OneMagicalHour.com. Um, yeah, <laughs> that makes you feel better, right? <laughs> Everybody's in that boat. Um, but I did find uh, some some here. Time waits for no man, unless that man is Chuck Norris. <laughs> uh, Chuck Norris's tears cure cancer. Too bad he has never cried. That is too bad. Chuck Norris does not sleep. He waits. No, I don't know. I, I, I... <laughs> Chuck Norris counted to infinity twice. That's funny. Who knows where these came from? This is just some article from Parade.com. Yeah. That's even a real thing. Um, this podcast has gone off the... <laughs> well, well, we can talk about that later. Hey, let me ask you a question. Have you noticed all of these short podcasts in the podcast world? Yeah, I don't approve of it. They're like... There's podcasts that are like five minutes, you know? Yeah. We did some trivia, some car trivia, and it was fun. But they were only like five minutes long. Yeah. Like, what am I doing with my time? I need a five-minute podcast. For car trips, you got to get those awesome, like, mini-series podcasts. Like the one Rachel Maddow does on the Nixon Watergate. That's amazing. Sure. Sure. And that'll be like one eight-hour trip. Yeah, I mean, I dig that. And and me and Amy listen to podcasts, but then like we listen to podcasts while the kids are on the iPad now. Yeah. 
they've got some headphone splitters. They'll be watching something together and we can do, but they've gotten to where they like this American life. Oh, cool. So that's great. Yeah, it's great. Listening to a podcast together for sure. And, um, the, uh, the short ones I think are, are mostly probably consumed by people who listen to podcasts at work. You know, they're doing, you know, 50 hours a week in a cubicle and you do, you run out of your, you get your favorite one hour podcast, you know, if you're lucky, maybe it's two or three times a week. Um, but it's probably more like once a week. Um, and then, and then, yeah. And then you just, you need more. So you have, you know, your little short podcasts in between. You have nice ones like the slowdown where you can consume a little every day. Huh. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, there are people out there, you know, and ours, like, you know, some of our biggest fans, uh, Brian, Benitez, Nicholas, you know, Manish, um, are people who, you know, listen to it during their work, you know, and while they're doing something else, you know, and it kind of helps the... Well, that's what it's for, isn't it? Yeah, it helps yeah. pass the time. Uh-huh. And just like, just like talk radio, you know, it's talk radio is something that you, you put on and you can kind of tune in or tune out while you're driving or... Yeah. Or working your construction job or whatever. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me. Sorry. Um, okay. But yeah, I, I think mean, there's there's room for long podcasts and there's room for short podcasts. Okay. That's fine. But I understand. That's fine. I I have a bias against short podcasts. I do too. <laughs> I think every podcast should be. It seems like any podcast could be 20 minutes. One magical 70 minutes. It seems like you could. Almost talk about any subject for 20, 27, oh, yeah. 28 minutes. Yeah. The minimum. <laughs> I could yammer I know, on. I know we could. I could yammer on about nothing for 28 minutes. That being said, I feel like this is a short podcast. It, I think. It, uh, it, I mean, in the in the pantheon of One Magical Hour, Matthew and Schaefer podcast, Pachanga. This this particular one might end up being might be fifty five minutes if we wrap it up in the next three minutes. I uh, was just about to look up a poem, but then I remember, I think I promised last time last time I, I said I told you the first poem that I ever wrote, and I said that uh, yeah this you, time you I were going to read the, the second poem. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready? You got it memorized. Yeah. For the podcast, or do you just generally, you have it memorized. No, I yeah. I you just, didn't study it before you came over. No, here. I yeah, okay. I've I've had it in my head since <laughs> okay. the okay. third grade when it was when it was selected by Naomi Shihab Nye to be in a collection of poems by elementary school students in Texas. You had no chance in life. They <laughs> they railroaded you into this poetry yeah. thing. Yeah, I was. Uh, <laughs> they were like this guy. I was born, I should get a tattoo somewhere that says born to write poetry. I, I, I think it's one of these deals where like in our, our, uh, our system that they, they got up, they just sort of uh, ascribe roles to you at an early age. And sometimes it's just like the luck of the draw. <laughs> you get poet. <laughs> Go on. I'm sorry. Uh, 
I wanted to say real quick, Happy New Year. I'm so glad to be back here with you oh, thank doing you. this. I missed this Me so too. much. Thank you. That's Sorry for the uh, silence, folks. I was thinking maybe next year we could do... 2024? Or do you mean yeah, this year? This year. 2023. Oh, okay. Let's do... Let's plan on doing this. Sometime in December, we have a day we set aside for Matthew and Schaefer Day. And that's... We go, we record like... We record four a, bunch hours. Of, a bunch of 10-minute podcasts. Yeah, we do like four hours, do like four podcasts. And then we, and then it climaxes in a Matthew and Sh- One Magical Night, Matthew and Schaefer Christmas Karaoke Spectacular. Okay. We sing Christmas Karaoke at the bar, and then that's... Uh, okay. And then we go on our break, and then we have, we have you know, three in the can or whatever to, uh, to distribute over this time. I like that idea. The thought of being interesting for four hours in a row is <laughs> I think, daunting. I think if we're at the bar and, you know, Chuck or Jeff is handing us uh, sending us beverages and, you know, I think it'd be fun probably because, you know, you could kind of listen to it over three weeks as us. <laughs> I feel like it's four hours of recording for, uh, for four 30-minute podcast <laughs> that sounds right yeah okay okay <laughs> something like that and uh yeah we missed you we love you one magical nation uh each and every one of you the poem from third grade schaefer is as this i think the assignment oh, wait, was wait 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 hold on hold on second poem ever yeah the assign the assignment was something like metaphor or not. I don't know. I don't remember what the assignment. It doesn't matter. <laughs> That's uh, the first rule of poetry. It doesn't matter what the assignment yeah. was. The poem was called "The Moon." The moon unfolds gently, quietly, as the last rays of sunset slowly disappear. The moon dreams of peace on earth. Dream, moon, dream. Well. I see why they encouraged you. <laughs> they were right to encourage you. <laughs> Good, I'm glad. But glad see, where it's, see where it's led you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wow. That was a podcast. Pour the choices. The sweeter the wine. A young Nebraska beauty. Discovered at the mall Outshone the golden jewelry And followed New York's call The airport taxi driver Told her mother Fine place to visit, but don't leave your daughter there. Take your daughter back to Nebraska, don't leave her in this town. 
She's the queen of Ogallala But the city will steal her crown Still that mother abandoned Her child to a life so vain Bound by ropes of velvet Drowned in fine cocaine To the wolves that live on Wall Street She was just a one-night pride They crushed Flower of the prairie Now she sits at St. Patrick's and cries Take your daughter Back to Nebraska Don't leave her in this town She's the queen of But the city will steal her crown Take your daughter back to Nebraska Don't leave her in this town She's the queen of Ogallala but the city 